0: It is my honor and privilege to bring to you this message of hope. I know these are uncertain and trying times and that in such a time as this, we all need a word of inspiration and encouragement. I know sometimes you feel like you're standing on shaky ground, but we as believers stand firm on Philippians 4.13 that tells us we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Psalm 34.19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So get your cup of coffee, your Bible, a writing pad, and a pen. And after the message, don't leave. Stay with us so that we may be able to share some information about this podcast and how you may write to us. Well, God bless you. Uh, Let's read uh, from the epistle of Paul, the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. I'm going to read it in the, in the King James Version, and I'm going to be breaking it down in layman's English, that one, because I want you to understand this, okay? So if you have your Bible, open it with me, the first Corinthians chapter one, and we're going to read the whole chapter from one all the way to verse 31. Let's, let's, let's read this. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and sustenance, our prophet, our brother, I'm sorry unto the Church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, call to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord." Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye shall speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now, this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Look at verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men for ye are for ye see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh and not many mighty not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Let me read that again. And base things of this world and things which are despised God hath chosen. Yea, yea, and things which are not to bring not that are that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Four things, wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and, and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorifieth, glorious, let him glory in the Lord. He that glorious, let him glory. In the Lord. I, I, I love this, this word. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. This is, this is a powerful word. Father, we come before you asking you for revelation knowledge. We ask you, Father, for insight. Father, as we study this word this morning, let it bless those that are listening. In Jesus' name, I place myself in your hands, anoint my lips. Amen. God bless you. Today I'm going to be sharing with you the subject, the potency of your preaching, or the power of your preaching. Uh, I want to share this with you because preaching uh, entails more than just standing behind a pulpit. How you live your life preaches. How you live for God preaches. Uh, you're witnessing, you're witness how people see you and it draws people to Christ. You're lifting up Christ. It's not necessarily uh, standing behind a pulpit, but if you just lift up Christ, if you just show people who Jesus is, you, they will be drawn to him. And I have been ministering for 48 years. I started ministering at the age of 15. When I was saved, I was called to preach. And I remember my first message when I preached, my knees were having fellowship with each other. But I preached the message, and, and the message that I preached was, you're going to hell. And this was the, the whole uh, uh, outline. If you have long hair, you're going to, to hell. If you wear makeup, you're going to hell. Women, if you wear pants, you're going to hell. If you go to the movies, you're going to hell. If you go to football games, you're going to hell. By the, by the end of the message, I had sent everybody to hell, and nobody got saved. But I realized the importance and the imperative uh, of, of educating myself. So I chose to go to Bible school to lo- learn more about God's Word. And I, I, I got to admit, Bible school did help me. I learned a lot. But I think that the true lessons that I learned, I learned out in the field. And I, I still remember, I graduated... Uh, on April the, the 25th of 1975, I graduated from Bethel Bible Institute in Harlingen, Texas. And immediate upon, immediately upon uh, graduating, my my dad, my spiritual father, whom I call dad because his family, him and his family adopted me as their own, like a, as a son, not like a son, but as a son, I, I, I am his son. And, and I remember that immediately upon graduating, he said, you're going with me to Victoria. Now, the rest of the family had already gone ahead. Uh, that night before, the uh, a storm had ripped the, the tent to shred, and they were having services out in the open, under the stars, they were having services, and, and there was people, a lot of people came to that revival. But what really stands out is that my father in the gospel said unto me, I, uh, I am going to teach you something. You're going to learn something. And, th- and this all happened one morning. He got up and he said, I want you uh, uh, to make me breakfast. And I said, okay, what do you want? He said, just make me some eggs. Scramble me some eggs. And I went to the, to the camper to, to start, my, start breakfast. And I noticed that we were out of, cooking oil so I went back and told him there's no cooking oil he said well just poach them for me just poach some eggs for me and I went and I put the pan on the on the stove added the water and I and I tried to turn on the stove and there was no propane and I went back and told him there is no propane and he said well I guess we're going to fast then." and I remember this because I wasn't hungry but up to the point that he said we're going to fast and when he said that I got hungry and he sat down and he just started to pray and started to just sing songs and pray. And I went into the trailer and I was hungry. Now I was getting hunger pangs. And I was upset because I was hungry and there was no way we were going to eat. Now we were going to have a fast. So I just joined him in prayer. But I remember because I was listening to him through the window as he was praying. And the way he was praying just so motivated me to, to call out on God. And I heard him pray like this. And I heard him say, Lord, your servant is hungry. Send me something to eat. That was his prayer. And then he called me. He said, Gino, come out here. And I, I, and I went out there. And he was sitting on, on a little chair outside of the camper. He said, Gino, they did not teach you this in Bible school. But you're about to get a lesson on faith. He said, in a few minutes, somebody's going to bring me something to eat. Or they're going to bring me $100. And... Uh, so from that moment, I I was in expectancy, anticipating somebody to drive up and and this truck with water with hoses on it came drove up on the on the uh, site where the tent used to be and he and said to the to uh, my father in the gospel told him, you know what uh, we need. I came here to spray them or or kill the fire and he says, okay, go ahead but he gave him no offering. And then this other man in a Cadillac drove up, and he was what I call a looky loo He was asking questions, trying to inquire what had happened. And once he got the information he he wanted, he, he left. And he left, He didn't leave any offering or didn't give us any money or didn't leave any breakfast. And I was already getting frustrated because I was I was hungry when finally somebody drove up. And they walked up to my father and they gave him a love offering. He said, he said these words, he said, man of God, I was eating breakfast and as I was eating my breakfast, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, go to the tent, my servant is hungry. So I'm giving you this offering. That changed me. The The man who God used to save me was a man of faith. And he preached the message that if he spoke about hell, you could actually feel the fires of hell burning close by. And I remember the, the night that he preached the message, his message was called The Silence of God. And he said, many think that because God is silent, he approves of what you're doing. But I want you to know the day is coming when God is going to uh, break that silence and you're going to see who God is. And, and he said uh, at, on his altar call, he said, I'm not going to ask you to come walking up here. I'm going to ask you to run, escape for your life. And I ran to the altar that day and I gave my life to, to Christ. In 48 years, I have seen so much. I have seen ministries that have come and gone and I've heard different kinds of preachers, different styles of preaching, some doctrines that, that benefit the church and doctrines that have deceived the church. And uh, I've seen men of God who love God and give their all and expect nothing back. And I seen men of God who, unless they are paid, they will not deliver the word. This is what moves me, because I have learned that the important, the importance of our preaching the cross is what this world needs. When we try to sell ourselves and when we try to, to, to uh, broadcast ourselves and, and we put ourselves first to draw attention to us, we take away attention to who God is. So let's, let's, let's go back to this word and I, I want to just go with you step by step. Uh, there is a, a story in, in Acts chapter 8 uh, verse nine through twenty four, the story of Simon, the magician, who, who uh, he practiced magic in the city, and and this man saw how how Paul, and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, how how Philip preached, and and the people believed Philip as he preached good news of the kingdom of God, and and he he wanted that that power, and he saw how Peter, God used Peter, and so he. He takes out money and gives Peter money. He says, give me this power that any on whom I lay my hand may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, unto you, your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. Now, he said, "Because I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity." And Simon answered, "Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me." I want you to know that, that the, giftings, the gift that God gives you is yours. To give and it can only be acquired through God. I, I go to many services where, where they're, they're doing the mantle thing, where they're wrapping the mantle on everybody in the church, and, and I'm thinking to myself, not everybody is worthy of the mantle. You know, back in the 70s, and I I am guilty of this too because I saw somebody do it. I decided I would do it too. Where where preachers would take off their coats and throw it at somebody and they say, Catch the mantle. And somebody would catch it and fall down. And and the Lord's impressed in my heart and he said, Stop. Stop. Be careful who you give the mantle to. The mantle does not belong to everybody. The mantle belongs to those that are worthy. Elisha, Elijah did not go around just giving the mantle to everybody. He he came to to the man that God had indicated to him. He came to Elijah. And Elijah wasn't even preaching. Elijah wasn't even prophesying. Elijah was just plowing the field, going around in circles, following an ox. And God impressed in 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 Elijah's heart and he said, Go to him. And 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 get him ready because he's going to succeed you. And, and when he put his mantle on Elijah, Elisha followed him. Your mantle belongs to somebody who you have groomed, who, who God has indicated to you. And sometimes we, we make the mistake of choosing that person ourselves instead of allowing God to choose them for us. i i need to to understand this because uh we are seeing too much of this nowadays let's go to the world look at this first corinthians in 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 in, uh in verse one uh, verse one to three uh, we we see paul uh this is what, what what we call a salutation or uh, the opening of the letter and, and basically what Paul is saying is this letter is from me and God chose me to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and that is what, what he wanted and, our, and he, and he says that his friend his Christian friend Sostanus is there with him and as he writes and then he begins to tell them I'm sending you this letter uh, to you, the people of God's church in Corinth, God has made you clean because you belong to Christ Jesus. And he, he tells them that he, he has chosen you to be his special people. This is what I'm trying to say. The people who God uses are the people that he has chosen. They are a special people. Paul, Peter said that we are a peculiar people. We are a royalty. We are... Uh, the priests of our homes and and he says he's chosen you to be his special people. This is this is an honor to be chosen by God. I mean to know that he chose you out of thousands, out of millions of people, he chose you for a special purpose. Everybody whom God has chosen, he chose for a purpose. So you join he tells us so you join together with all people everywhere to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is their Lord and he is our Lord. And then he finishes by saying I pray that God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ will continue to help you. I pray that they will give you peace in your mind. And then he begins to go on with the letter and he begins to thank God he, for, for the Corinthians. I, I love how he introduces himself and now he 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 gives glory to god he thanked god he lets them know that it is because of god that that he is writing them he didn't just write the letter on a whim he says i always thank god because of you i thank him because he has been very kind to you he he has helped you like like that because you belong to christ jesus and as a result God has given you all the things that you need. You're able to speak everything that He wants you to speak. You are able to understand everything that He wants you to know. In that way, God has shown you that the message we told you about Christ is true. As a result... God has given you every spiritual gift that you need. God has blessed you with those gifts as you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to return. God will also keep you safe and strong until the end. Then on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns, you will not be guilty of anything wrong. God always does what He promised to do. And He has chosen you to be friends with His Son Jesus Christ who is our Lord. And this is the this is a ministry of reconciliation. God reconciled Himself with man, and man reconciled Himself with God through Christ Jesus. He is the mediator. So he is thanking them and he is thanking God for putting them in his path and him in their path. There are people that you that you hook up with, I'm sorry, that you join join up with that God didn't put there, and that's why it's so difficult. If, if you run into people who go against you like that, that you, that you uh, joined yourself to them because you, you thought they were nice, but, but instead of it being a blessing, it becomes a curse because all they do is, is go against you. Then God didn't bring. The people who God chooses to help you are the people that are going to be there for you. They're going to suffer as you suffer, and they're going to to weep when you weep, and they're going to rejoice when you are blessed. And if you are blessed, they're going to be blessed also. So, he he begins to thank God for for allowing him the opportunity to meet these people. This is verse uh, four, all the way to verse nine. Basically, he's just thanking God for the Corinthians and because the Corinthians have received the word, and because the Corinthians have received him as as uh an apostle you know as a man of god the bible says that he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward i believe that this is also true for men of god that we receive in into our lives that, that we not every man of god that you receive in, in into your home is a man of god is true but god will show will place you in the path of somebody who is going to help you and will place somebody in your past whom you will also bless, according to Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, where it, where it talks about that, the, that let he who is, is taught uh, bless he who is the teacher. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. But then he goes on to, be, to let them know that he notices that there has been some contention among them. And he tries to convey the message that Christians... Must not quarrel. Now, let me let me let me just pause here a little bit. I want you to understand this church. We're not always going to agree on things. There's going to be some uh, some quarrelling, but at the end, we need to come to an understanding. We need to come to to a, a ground where we we not compromise because you don't want to compromise your principles and you don't want to compromise the truth. Uh, in other words, if I know that what you're teaching is not of God, there's no way I'm going to compromise with you and say, okay, well, we'll just let it slide. And, and, and we see a lot of that. When we tell people who are teaching other, other, other uh, doctrines and we tell them, well, you know, we all, it doesn't matter what you teach, we're all serving the same God. Well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean? It doesn't matter what you teach. We're all serving the same God. If you're teaching something other than the gospel that Jesus taught, then you—I have nothing to do with you. You either follow Christ as the Bible teaches, then, or I won't have anything to do with you. And uh, we have too much compromise, and we all—you know—we. He, he's not living right, but you know, I'm just praying that God will will speak to him. In the meantime, I'm going to love him and I'm going to give him a position. No, you don't do that. You bring people into your fold that are going to, to be part of what you're teaching, part of your vision, and they're going to believe and they're going to teach what you are teaching. Now look at this. He, this is basically what Paul is saying in verse 10. My Christian friends, I tell you, this with the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is basically what he's saying. Please agree with each other. In other words, stop fighting. Agree with each other. Do not become separate groups. Don't don't form your own cliques. Don't, don't form your own... And you see that in church. You, in church, you, you have a group here that believes this and a, another group here that believes that. And you have another group who... And they all go against the pastor. And, and some believe what the pastor says and, and some believe what uh, what they heard on television. Some believe uh, televangelists. And and I believe that in a church, we should all be of one mind and in one accord. And this is when the Spirit moves. Look at look at, uh, at Acts chapter 2. Uh, when, uh, when the Holy Spirit fell uh, in verse 2, verse 1 it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place now in one place could be geography but also in one place if it would be one state of mind, one state of spirit where you, you're in agreement total agreement and there is no other doctrine, there is just what you've been taught and everybody is, is believing that one thing Nobody's giving their opinion. Their their opinions are are trying to water down the gospel. They are all teaching what Jesus taught. And basically that's, that's, that's what's happening in the church today. We've got too many theologians or wannabe theologians who are twisting the scriptures. And you have to be very careful. So... Paul says, I tell you this with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, please agree with each other. Do not become separate separate groups. Be united and think about the things in the same way. When the world sees that we don't have it together, it's hard for them to grasp. It's like, I'm going to give you an example. I have a cardiologist in the city where I live. And he gives me these He gives me these prescriptions and he says, this is what I want you to take because this is what's going to help you. And then there's this other cardiologist in Houston where I go. And when I go, he always switches my prescriptions. And I tell him, well, this is what my my cardiologist gave me. And he says, well, this is going to work better for you. And when I come back to my cardiologist in the city where I live, he sees what the other cardiologist does and he says, no, 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 I already said this, so... I, one day I just, I don't know, I wasn't upset, but I just said, hey, you guys need to, you need to come to an agreement. So now this cardiologist at Houston doesn't change my, my prescriptions, but he sends a recommendation to my cardiologist and my cardiologist decides whether it's a good or bad recommendation. So they, they, they have to come together, they have to be united because when it comes to my health, it, they have to be united in, in, in what they, uh, they do to help me get better. No, so, so Paul says, some people from Chloe's house have told me news about you. you know, and, and they've told me that, and my friends, they say that, that you're quarreling among, among each other. And, and it happens like this. One of you guys says, I belong to Paul's group. And another one says, I belong to Apollo's group. And another group person says, I belong to Peter's group. And another person says, I belong to Christ's group. And, and he says, Paul says, you shouldn't speak like that. It seems like you are breaking Christ into several parts. Because he says is Christ divided? So you're dividing Christ and you're and and, and I heard I heard a preacher preach one time uh, about you know it has to do I guess with with how you experience Christ. You cannot base that on what Christ is. Another my pastor, uh, my pastor, he, he told me one time, Gino, you cannot categorize God. You cannot put God into a box and say, This is the way God is. You have to allow the Spirit to lead you in the knowledge of who God is. Now, now, now take the, the, the three take the, the three blind men that Jesus healed. I, I heard a preacher say this. He, he said, the three blind men that Jesus healed. Now, one of them, Jesus touched one time and he didn't heal. He touched them again and he did heal. One of them, he touched one time and he healed. And the third one, he spat on the ground and he made mud and he rubbed it in his eyes and told him to go wash himself. Now, you've got three blind men who have... Have an idea of, of how Christ heals. Now if you ask the first one how does how does Jesus heal? He's going to tell you, well he touches you and you heal. And then if you ask the other one uh, how does Jesus heal? He's going to tell you well he touches you one time and you kind of heal but you don't heal and he touches you again and then you are completely healed and then he'll say you ask, if you ask the third one well how does Jesus heal? He's going to say well in my in my case he's Pits on the ground, he makes mud, he rubs mud on your eyes, and he sends you to wash yourself. And, and he said, now you've got three different, different uh, views of how Jesus heals. You've got three different teachings, you've got three different beliefs, you've got, and you've got three different churches. You've got the one-touch, the two-touch, and the mud-in-the-eye church. And there's a division there. There cannot be division, Church. There cannot be division. We have to be in the same spirit, in the same frame of mind, teaching the same thing, believing the same thing and believing and the same thing, but by believing the same thing i 'm talking about believing what Jesus taught, preaching what Jesus taught. we can't go off on a tangent talking about uh, ways to get rich and, and, and and uh, ways to prosper and ways to be better and, 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 and uh, materialistic things. It should be about the cross and how Jesus died on the cross and how His blood cleanses us from all sin. And it's about raising up Jesus so that people can be drawn to Him. You don't bring, bring people to your church to come and see how you preach. You bring people to your church because they have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and they want to be taught just that. I'm getting excited here so basically what Paul is telling the, the Corinthians in chapter, in verse 11, chapter 1, he's telling them, some people from Chloe's house have told me news about you, and they're saying that you guys are quarreling among each other. And, and it happens like this. One of you says that you, you, you glorify Paul's group, or you glorify Apollo's group, or you glorify Peter's group, or you say, I belong to Jesus. And, and, and you should not speak like that. It seems like you are breaking Christ into several parts. And I, Paul, did not die on the cross to save you. That man of God, that pastor that you have, that evangelist that you listen to, that prophet who delivers a word, he didn't save you. He is merely an instrument. I'm merely an instrument that God uses. And the message that I receive or that I should purvey is the message of the cross. The message that I convey is the message of the cross. Christ died for your sins and whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, and he, says, he says, he goes on to say, I thank God that I didn't baptize you, except only a few like Crispus and Gaius, and so that none of you will say that I belong to Paul's group because he baptized me. I remember a preacher named Juan Valenzuela back in the 70s who told a story of he, how he was holding a revival, and this drunk walked up to him, he was kind of drunk, and he yelled at him, Juan, Juan, you saved me. And Juan told him, that's why you're in that condition, because I saved you. Because if Jesus had saved you, you wouldn't be in that condition. He says, I thank God that I did not baptize you, Paul says. Now, I remember also that I baptized Stephanus and his family. I cannot remember that I baptized anybody else. And and he goes on to say, Christ did not send me to baptize people. But he did send me to tell God's good news to people. When I speak this message, I do not use clever words that show how wise I am. And that's the problem when you try to, to preach a deep message and, and wow people with the eloquence of your words, Some people, I've heard there, there are followers of Christ. I've, I've always said that there are people that follow Christ and there are people that follow the glamour. Christ's word is everlasting, but if you're a glamour seeker, you're only going to be around until something better comes around the, around the corner, and then you're going to run to that other glamour area. He says, "I thank God that I didn't baptize you. Christ did not send me to baptize people. But He did send me to tell God's good news to people. When I speak this message, he's, he's saying, "I don't use clever words that show how wise I am. It is Christ's death on the cross that has the power to save people. If you're going to get saved, it's not about what I can tell you, or how well I can tell it, or how how wise I sound. That's not what's going to change people. What changes people is Christ's death on the cross, and that has the power to save people. I do not want to spoil that power with clever words. That's basically what Paul is saying. And then he begins to speak about Christ's death on the cross. This is the message that we preach, church. We preach... Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. Or let me go back, the the message of, of, of death, burial, and resurrection. So he says some people think that the message of Christ's death on the cross is silly or foolishness. Those are people who are destroying themselves. But it's different for us because the people that God is saving, the message about the cross shows us God's power to save us. It says in the Bible, I, God, will destroy all the clever thoughts of wise people. I will show that their clever ideas are nothing. So the wise people in the world are not really important. That's what it's saying. The clever teachers of God's law are not really important. And people who know how to argue well are not really important. God has shown that the wise ideas that belong to this world have no value. You know, there are preachers that took debate in, in college or in, in high school and, and they're, they're good at arguing in a point. But did you know that you can argue a wrong point and convince people and deceive many? Uh, back in the... 80s and, and 90s, all you heard about this was the, the word of faith and, and the name it and claim it ministry and, and prosperity, that if you're not prospered, then you're not blessed. If you're not driving a fancy car, you're not blessed. I still hear people, preachers tell me that. I heard preachers tell me, with the gifting that you have, I, 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 I would be making thousands, and I tell them, that's why you don't have the gift. Because you're going to use it wrong. It's not about... Put in general. You know, when, when we started Deep River Worship Center, I, uh, the Lord told me, I don't want you to flow. I want you to bring people to me. Don't bring them to you. And, you know, other pastors, they, they began to wonder, well, why isn't he calling people out by name? Why isn't he prophesying anymore? Why isn't he flowing under the gifts of the prophet? And I had people saying, you should use that gift. And I, they didn't understand that I was only following orders you know what, I don't care about your opinion. You know, even now, you know, I have people saying, it's not your time to retire. There is no retiring from the cross. Well, if you don't want to be retire, that's fine. But if my time comes, then I'm willing to step down. There comes a point where I'm no longer going to, to preach it, but I am going to give back to the ministry. So so basically in verse 20 he's saying the wise people in this world are not really important. The clever teachers of God's law are not really important. People who know how to argue well are not really important. God has shown that the wise ideas that belong to this world have no value. Look at verse 21. He's talking about God himself as wise. He has decided that people cannot know him just because they are wise in their own way. God uses the message about Jesus to save people. That message may seem silly to some people, but when we tell it to people, God saves them if they believe. This is what's going to save people, church. And whether you you don't see the point or you don't get the point or you don't understand, it, there's no other message. You can motivate people to be better. You can motivate people to, to be better and, and change their life. But unless there is a change of heart, All you've done is is, is, uh, whitewash people and you don't need to whitewash people. People need to be washed white. Look at verse 22 because he begins to talk about the Jews and the Greek and he says Jewish people want to see God do a miracle and then they will listen. Gentile want to listen to a message that has clever ideas. And you see that today. People going to every revival because something is happening over there. God is doing this. There's a man uh, that that, that, uh, that it, water is coming out of his hands or, or fire, he preaches and fire appears and everybody wants... These are the glam, glamour seekers that are going after every every uh, supernatural thing because that's the only way they're going to believe. And then then there are those that are, that are like the Gentiles that I, I just want to hear a good word. I just want to hear... A, I want a preacher that's eloquent. I want a preacher that's educated... That's sounds educated I want a preacher to wow me with his knowledge but he says but as for us we tell people about how Christ died on the cross this is the message that Jewish people refuse to accept this is the message that the Gentile people think is a silly message but it is different for us whom God has called to come to him some of us are Jews some of us are Gentile for us Christ shows God's great power and He shows how wise God is. Christ's death on the cross may seem silly to you, but I want you to know something. God, it really shows that God is very wise. He is wiser than people with their clever ideas. Christ's death on the cross may seem to show that God is weak, but really He is stronger than any human power. It is when we be... And I, I, I don't know, I, I hear preachers say, well, I don't, I'm not going to offend anybody. If you're going to preach an end-time message... Preach it with fire. Preach it with authority. Don't pull, pull back the punches. Don't hold back. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't want to scare anybody like you're telling a scary story. I think people need the hell scared out of them. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say that again. I believe people need the hell scared out of them. And the only way to do it is to preach a bold message uh, out of the cross. We need an old-fashioned pulpit-pounding message that that is so powerful that it makes people run to God. But because we 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 have this seeker-friendly message mentality to where let's not offend the seeker. I believe that what drew me to the cross was the message that my my father in the gospel preached about that if I did not repent, death awaited me. Hell awaited me. And I I was afraid of that, and that's why I ran to the altar. Look at verse 29. Because of all this, nobody can be proud of themselves in front of God. It is because of God's work that you now belong to Jesus Christ. As a result of Christ's death on the cross, we share God's wise plan. Because we belong to Christ, God makes us right with Himself. He makes us His own people, His own special people. He makes us free from the power of sin. When? When we, when, as a result of Christ's death on the cross, we believe that it has reconciled us to God. Christian friends, do you remember the time when God called you to come to Him? Think about what you were like. None of you were clever or powerful enough in the way that people think is good. Many of you belong to, not all of us belong to important families. Instead, God chose to use us. He, he chose to use the people that people didn't think could be used. He choose, chose to make speakers of the people who had never taken a, a speech class. He he used people who didn't know how to read or write. He chose them to preach the gospel. He chose the people that were uneducated. And if you look at the, at the, uh, the disciples, they had no education. They were men without... Without letters, there were men who had no no education background, but they had something. They had Christ. They had a love for Christ, and they had a love for the lost. They think that people who, who belong to this world, they don't like these things. They think that they have no value. God did this so that things that seem important would become unimportant. Remember what is written in the Bible. If you want to be proud about something, be proud of what the Lord has done. If you want to be proud about something, be proud of what the Lord is. done. That's basically what he says when he talks about, it. let him that glorious, let them glory in God. It means if you want to be proud of something, be proud of what God is doing. And the only way you're going to do it is you step aside and allow God to do what he does best, and that's draw people, save people. Let the power of the cross be the message of the cross be preached and, and lift up the name of Jesus and he will draw all men unto you. I'm 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 speaking to you to witness Christ don't, don't talk about your church. Don't talk about how awesome the music is. Don't talk about how it's a laid back, come as you are. Church, you can wear whatever you want to. You can, you can, you can live the way you want to. Just come and, and worship with us and we'll let God take care of the rest. That's not what saves people. It is the, the witnessing of, of, of Christ, being a witness for Christ. And Jesus said, go and be a witness. Go and preach the gospel. Go and deliver the message. That's it. Preach the power of the cross. Lead people to the foot of the cross. And God will do the rest. God will take care of the rest. We need people who do this, who share Christ, who lift up Christ. It is our duty to deliver the message of the cross. It is our duty to lead people to Christ through our message, through our lifestyle. That when people see us, they see Christ in us. That people would want... You know, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And I've heard people... I've asked people, what does that mean? And they tell me, well, it means that that we... Are appealing and and we are that salt. We are like the salt. We give flavor to to the world. No, you're not that tasty. When it talks about Jesus said, uh, for us to be the salt of the earth, salt creates a thirst. And if your message is not creating a hunger or a thirst, then you're not preaching the right message. Stop being a financial advisor. Stop being a life coach. Stop being a a. Uh, a a uh, a motivational speaker preach 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 the the message of the cross preach it in season and out of season preach let's pray father I pray for every preacher out there every evangelist out there every apostle every every prophet every Every teacher I, I, I preach, Father, I pray for them that, that, that your word will well up in them and that they will expound this word and, and send it out, Father, that they will tell people about the good news of, of the gospel and lead people to Christ. Father, too, too long for too long, we have seen people use the gospel to enrich themselves, to make themselves wealthy, And to fill the the building, Father, it's not about filling the building with people. It's about filling the people with you. And Father, if we have failed you on this, I ask you forgiveness, Father. And I ask you, Father, to make me a better preacher. Let me preach the message of the cross. Father, I pray for all the ministries out there that that if we have lost our way, that we will find our way back to what really works what is important. It's not about wealth and it's not about prosperity and it's not about prestige. It's not about it, uh, how educated or how eloquent we are, Father. It's about telling everybody how that cross on Mount Calvary, the blood shed there, changed our lives. Father, the only thing that can make us white as snow is the blood of Jesus. Lead us and help us lead others to the cross. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Just praise God for a few seconds right there where you're at. I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, I do hope this message meant something to you, and maybe if you're a preacher or an evangelist, it will benefit you to preaching the message of the cross. Again, I'm going to let you know that if you are listening to my podcast, write me, write me, send me a, shoot me an email and say just, you don't have to say much, just say, Pastor al I'm listening to you, and that word is a blessing, yeah, the word is a blessing. Also, if you feel led to sow into this ministry, uh, download the Cash app, and on on whether it be on a uh, the App Store or Google Play, just search for the app. I'm sorry for the Cash app. And when you download that Cash app, then you can look as up. My username is dollar sign Gino Lan, and it's going to ask you if you want to send money, and just go ahead and click on that, and and just the amount and any amount that you send us is welcome. You know, we're not asking for hundreds or thousands of dollars. That comes from you, the amount. Ask God to lead you into how much you're going to give. I'm going to thank a few people who who send us a love offering and continue to bless this ministry. God bless you. God bless you. That May the Lord bless you richly. And uh, keep us in prayer. And if you want to write to us, you can write to us at Uh, an audible voice, 28289 Bass Boulevard, Bass Like the Fish, Bass Boulevard, Hardingen, Texas, 78552. Until next time, this is Pastor Gino Landin signing off. God bless you, and we'll see you next Friday.